Kuda. You're listening to a game-based learning podcast from Core Education. But unless you've got really good systems set up where students are collaborating and working well together, and it's really hard when they're in the middle of some exciting coding to go, oh, here, it's your turn now. <laughs> Kia ora. I'm here today with Viv Hall from Core Education, and she's been working with a lot of different schools and classes using GameFruit, and she's here today to talk with me about some of those experiences. Kia ora, Viv. Kia ora, Rochelle. So Viv, you were telling me that you've worked with whole schools with Game Fruit. Could you share that experience with me? Two schools, actually, where we had probably six, seven classes in each of the schools. And what we did was we looked at the suitability of the level of where, you know, how they would engage with Game Fruit and picked year fives and sixes to work on and basically there were probably some key things we first of all had to make sure that technically everything would hold up that for example could get access to the game fruit platform because some some delightful technical people like to close down access to everything so we went through all of those kind of error trapping things testing it out first and made sure that everyone was working and and we then just set up a timetable with the, with the classes and because one school had to share devices so then they all rotated and made sure that they could log on with their Chromebooks and and so they had one per child we first of all thought it would be all right to manage with two between to one device but unless you've got really good systems set up where students are collaborating and working well together you get situations where you've got one child as obviously might be more competent than the other and it's really hard when they're in the middle of some exciting coding to go, oh, here, it's your turn now. <laughs> so we, we decided, right, one device per, per student is the best way of, of organising it. So we managed to share device, timetable it, and so the devices were shared. Um, and then set up structures like um, making sure, you know, they logged out properly and, and those kinds of things as well. But it, I was worried about having everybody on front of a device and was worried about the impact of that. But very quickly, once you linked in, you can sit anywhere you like to make yourself comfortable. I'll get shot by physiotherapists, etc. here. Um, we had kids at, on desks. We had them lying on their tummies on the floor and they had them in bean bags. Some of them would remove themselves and go out into the shared area. So that even though they had a device... Of, of their own to work on, they were always invariably with either one other person or two. Or I even had my, my group of girls, there was four of them all the time, consistently working and, and sharing. So it was kind of like they just had a you know big piece of paper, I guess is probably the best analogy. So that worked well. And in the other school where they all had their own devices anyway supplied by the school, um, they were timetabled in and they were basically that we had hour and a half blocks but I guess most of the intense work took 40 minutes ish and you were doing things like preparing your 
um, brainstorming, you were storyboarding, you were running workshops around specific skills. So in about week three, because some students would um, progress through the actual um, videos quicker, um, they when and that was self-paced, and you could use your dashboard to see that and monitor where they're up to. Um, we would run run separate little workshops within the time and say, right, we're going to be looking at this and we're going to be looking at that. Um, and then we would also, I, would, I set up a, um, a thing, I guess a system of giving feedback because once they got to about week three or week four, I think it was, I said, right, let's just wait up, hold, you've gone so far, let's now... Part of the process is let a user experience what you've done so far. It's all part of the testing. And so we set up a system of doing just plain Google um, slide, two stars and a wish. So they all got a, a link to each other's games and they had to, the feedback was two stars and then a wish. And that was really powerful because... They had somebody with another view looking at what they were doing and you got things like, um, I loved how the game looked, all the different tiles placed everywhere made it look like a true masterpiece. Um, I liked how there were lots of obstacles and so it wasn't boring, but I got confused at the midpoint and I wasn't sure where to go next. Um, then there was, hey, I loved your game layout with obstacles, ghosts and trees and collectibles. Um, I wish you could add a few more collectibles so that I can keep on collecting points. Um, and then there was things like, I liked how the background made spikes invisible and I liked how the background changes. So, I mean, there was, and oh, I loved your start pages and your lose pages, cap I. <laughs> so this feedback from the from the students to each other which was done in google it was google slides was was really great because they used the feedback um and i also was working with the teachers and they were gaming as well so they could they put their games up very bravely and got the kids to look at what they were doing so um that was i guess it took six weeks and yes it was towards the end of the year but it was very powerful because the kids actually could link what they've been learning and their the mahi that was integrated into 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 their um into their their gaming and even things like we did a maths lesson on x and y <laughs> because in the programming part of you know that when they when you travel traveling along um it's the x x x and y axis and so they had to work out what you know going up was one way and going along was the other way and so that became a just-in-time math lesson so so the teachers also responded back on that and said that's what they that's what they found as well um and how to introduce the words like with DTNHM, we were working on that in the school as well. And one of the things that came out of the discussions we were having as a staff was how do we incorporate the new vocab that students are going to need to learn to use uh, with DTNHM and without it being sort of like false. Well, this was perfect because the kids were using things like algorithms, debugging, 
sequencing um, and and uh, the whole iteration and and it was just natural. So they learnt the language in the authentic context. So yeah, it was um, very, very, very popular and um, so much so that I'm getting to work with year seven and eight girls when we come back from being locked down and it's going to be really cool because they'll be the girls I worked with last year. But it's girls only, so look out world. (laughs) You've been listening to a game-based learning podcast. From Core Education, Matewa.